Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. All right, it's Locked On Mavericks for Tuesday, January 10th, episode number 67. I'm Mike. Uh, you can follow me at Machine Sports. He is Jacob. You can follow him at Not Jack Kemp. You can follow the show at Locked On Mavs. And I will tweet out every day when the uh, episode is done and out of the oven. Uh, Jacob, how are you, friend? Plugging along, Mike. Indeed. Um, I'm sure everyone watch the national championship game last night because that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, probably the second best national championship game I've ever watched. I think I'm still a little bit contact high. But uh, thank you for uh, listening to Lockdown Mavericks as we're going to give you a little recap of the game that you probably didn't watch that I got that I woke up way too early to, uh, to re-watch. Um, the Mavericks lose their 27th game in, uh, in Minnesota. And it was a little bit embarrassing. Um, they've now handed the uh, the Phoenix Suns and the Minnesota Timberwolves their 12th wins of the season. Um, if they are trying to tank on the sly, this is probably the way to do it. <laughs> Just keep losing to the worst teams in your conference. Um, really confusing, because I think I hit the panic button whenever I saw this stretch of schedule. But uh, if you're just going to, you know let the Suns beat you routinely. And the Suns are probably going to beat them Thursday night, too, whenever they play them, and let the uh, the T-Wolves do a number on you. Then uh, we got a different team on our hands than what, yeah. we had, than what we had anticipated. But they lose 92-101 in Minnesota. Um, they ran that starting lineup out there that we talked about with Dirk at the four and Bogut at the five for all of four minutes last night. And here are the numbers. Uh, a 75 offensive rating, a 152 defensive rating for a negative 77.3 overall. And they, uh, they actually rebounded the ball okay last night with that lineup, 50%. Um, but they, uh, when they subbed Dirk out at the uh, you know, seven-and-a-half-minute mark, they never once went back to it, which I find kind of fascinating. Um, some other lineup stuff. This is just a theory I'm working on, and I don't have a ton of data to um, to back it up. But uh, I don't think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm just, you know, adding uh, causation where it doesn't need to be applied. I don't think Dirk and Wes Matthews can play together anymore. And I don't what, know. Because neither one of them can go, can go to the rim or what? Yeah, neither one of them can go to the rim. Um, neither one of them are necessarily good help defenders. 
like Wes can play on ball really well, um, and he'll lock down people. I mean, we saw that at the end of uh, the Trailblazers game. When he wants to lock in and shut somebody down, he can. But neither of them are very good help defenders, and I just don't, I don't like it when on the court at the same time they try and occupy the same space um, a lot of the time, and it's just you don't have any kind of dynamic. Um, two of your five positions on offense aren't dynamic. And in 211 minutes together this season, uh, that two-man pairing has a 85.8 offensive rating, a 113 defensive rating for a negative 27.3. And you might say, well, I bet all of Dirk's uh, combos are like that. Well, not really. Um, That's far and away the worst. Um, And most of your two-man lineups are like hovering around somewhere between like a negative 5 and a negative 10. So a negative 27.3 is kind of insane. <clears throat> the one thing about it is is that Wes Matthews' last 10 games have been really bad. Yeah, he's he's back into uh, one of his weird slumps. So probably just you kind of have to take it that for 10 games, he's going to shoot 47% from three. And from 10 ga- for 10 games, he's going to shoot 31-32% free- from three. And mm-hmm. you just have to live with the idea that he is an inconsistent shooter who can still hit at almost 40% from three over a season. Mm-hmm. The thing is, that those 10 games are the 10 games Dirk has been back. Yeah. So it's just it's a pretty small sample because Dirk has been back for eight games now, and over those 10, Matthews is hovering around 30% from three. So I probably need to see a little bit more to say that definitively. I have a tough time thinking that Dirk can play against any starting lineup, period, even though he shot the ball really well last night, had that stretch of three threes in a row to get him into the game. But I don't – I'm going to hold judgment on that, although I don't really care because we've talked about it ad nauseum. My goal is to next year have Dirk coming off the bench, Mm -hmm. in which case – or for that matter, I I could bring Matthews off the bench. But the thing Mm -hmm. about that is – his value really is in trying to lock down someone else's, you know, one or two, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. lock down, and shoot threes against smaller players. Yeah. And you're not really going to get as much of an opportunity to do that with a bench unit, whereas Dirk's skills would work fine coming off the bench. They'd probably work better. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'd say probably need to wait another month or so before I totally link those two together. Yeah, and it's something like it's not necessarily like an eyeball test thing because obviously they don't <laughs> they don't play that often to uh, together right now. Um, if they keep subbing out this starting unit really quickly, um, but yeah, Wes Matthews. That's a point I wanted to get to. Um, these peaks and valleys are just brutal, um, and I ha- I don't have an explanation for them. I I don't get it. Uh, but last night, two points on one of seven from the field. Uh, versus Atlanta, nine points on three of 12. Against Phoenix, nine points on three of 12. Uh, against Washington, 12 points on five of 11. Uh, in his January numbers, the four games in January, he's shooting .273 from three point. And uh, 29% overall. And I have no idea why he goes through this. Um, it just seems, last year I could kind of explain it. Um because of obviously the injury and you know just adjusting overall and crap like that but I I, whenever it's more than like two or three games in a row that you're just worthless on the offensive end um it's really vexing to me but I'm gonna keep an eye on whenever Dirk and Matthews are on the court together like 
are the Mavs just getting nuked? Does any well, of it work? It's it's they play at a slow pace, but it's not just that they play at a slow play, uh, pace. It's that they're a slow team. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about playing Bogut, Dirk, and Matthews together, just end to end, you've got to have three, and then even mix in Darren Williams at this point of his career, mm-hmm. you've they've that's got to be the slowest starting lineup in basketball. Oh, of course, just as far as foot speed goes. So they're not going to be able to stay in front of anybody. Uh, Bogut will show up like two defensive possessions in a row, and then just to- <laughs> and then just totally check out. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if it's a West thing, a Dirk thing, or if it's an overall thing, but that worries me way less uh, than it might have in years past because I don't think that's a tenable solution going forward. I would have no problem trading Wes Matthews. I know there's a lot of people. He's a great guy. He's a warrior. You like a guy who sets the tone in the culture. I do think his contract is about what he should be making in the new cap if he's going to shoot 37 to 39 from three. Mm-hmm. But I would also, because of that, have no problem moving him. Like, none whatsoever. Yeah, I spent about 15 minutes this morning trying to find, like, suitable trades for Wes Matthews. And I didn't find one. Like, not one. Like, not too many teams have a uh, starting caliber shooting guard in which I'm like, oh, that's a clear upgrade. Or they're not good at shooting threes overall. Or, like, the Cavaliers, they didn't just make a move. Um, I mean, Atlanta kind of fits, but I don't know what they're thinking after they got rid of Corver, a very, you know, kind of similar player, except way more consistent uh, from the outside. So I might spend some more time on it uh, tomorrow and just force some trades. <laughs> well, let, let me let me add this in as um, and obviously, you know, when you're, when you're talking follow well, he's got insight that we don't have, mm-hmm. but he also is like in the trenches. Right. He is disgusted by the even notion of mentioning trading Wes Matthews, which I understand. <laughs> he he spends time around the guy, and right. here's the thing. He probably has a better idea what they're thinking. Like, we can do it on the trade machine. We can talk about it theoretically. But mm-hmm. if you bring it up to him, he'll tell you they want him here, like, yeah. for, forever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's just kind of how the Mavericks are. <laughs> yeah, they do that a lot. Yeah, and the, the only thing that – I mean, see – Devin Harris, see 25 different examples. but um, And the only thing that's honestly, to me, that's wrong with Wes Matthews that I would like write down on like the cons is his age. Um, and his contract will be up by the time the Mavs are good again. That's um, all it comes down to for me. Yeah. And they're, I mean, and these peaks and valleys are pretty brutal because if you go that cold, uh, you can cost teams games. Uh, if you're sure. getting zero production out of your, your two-guard spot. And overall, last night in that game, <laughs> in the second half, Darren, Wes, Berea, and Curry combined for eight points. Eight points. From your starting one to your backup six-man, uh, who is, you know, just uh, a uh, Nesquik for points. And then Curry actually played okay. He played a ton of minutes last night, which is weird. Um, And one of the things that I think we're figuring out now that the numbers are kind of like starting to stabilize and um, we've gotten, you know, 30-plus games under our belt watching the Mavs, like pace doesn't mean good defense. Like you think that if you slow the game down and the Mavs are holding, holding their opponents to like 97 points a game, it's like, ah, fifth best points per game. 
No, they're getting destroyed on a points yeah. per possession basis. They're and a bad, they're a bad defensive team. They're really awful defensively. Like if you adjust for uh, any kind of pace, like it started out all right, but you know what was encouraging though is. Harrison Barnes can guard Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> yeah, that was weird, man. That was weird. I was like, Barnes is about to get in foul trouble. It's not ideal for an entire game, but, I mean, obviously Cat was having a freaking yeah. just a ballistic night. He was on one. Um, but uh, as far as, like, what the future holds, obviously Dirk and Barnes out there together in the front court doesn't work. Obviously mm-hmm. Bogut doing anything doesn't work, but – Again, if we're looking for cornerstones and things that we're building on, I just I don't I don't think that uh, I have any reservations anymore about what a team that plays Barnes almost exclusively at the four would look like. Yeah, like there's going to be either. nights where you get beat up, but if you put the proper five with him, I think mm-hmm. last night showed you like that's Carl Anthony Towns, and he was on fire, and Bogut was like bodying him, or excuse me, Barnes was just bodying up on him. Yeah, I mean, if you bring. Uh, some level of physicality at him. I was talking to, uh, I was doing Pelicans last night with um, with uh, Del Harris, um, super longtime coach, VP of the Legends. You think you I could know? beat him in a? You think I could beat him in a twenty in eleven first to eleven one on one? No, he's eighty. <laughs> I know how old he is, and he's not bigger than I am. No, he he still he doesn't like a- move well, but <laughs> I don't Curious. know. I, like I want to blow past him. I need I need to see that one. It came, well, it came up yesterday. It was his birthday. Once once uh, he figures out that you can't shoot, that might be it. He might just know. S- stand underneath the basket. I'm just going to the rim. <laughs> I want to oh. see it. I really want to see it. Um, anyway, I was talking to him, and he was like, uh, he was talking about Cat because he coached Cat um, on the uh, the Dominican team, and he was like. That dude, when he came in there, he would not take a foot inside the three-point line. He was 6'10", at like 17 years old, and he would not go inside. Um, now he obviously does, but if you bring some kind of um, – I mean, Harrison Barnes is really stinking strong, and he plays strong. If you bring that kind of edge to him, like I think it just kind of gets him out of his, out of his zone, and uh, he's fine drifting around the three-point line a lot. And it was really weird to watch – um, Barnes just body him continuously, but watching Cat kind of bums me out. It's kind of the same thing when I watch Anthony Davis and I watch Boogie, and that these are like some of the most skilled and unique athletes on the earth. Uh, and they're all in the Western Conference, which is really weird. But I don't know if any of their teams will ever win more than forty games in a season. No, and I mean it, I think you could say that about Porzingis and. Embiid, although you know I'm, I still think that the Sixers are headed in the right direction, and I guess you could say the Knicks are, uh, so long as they can continue to <laughs> lie to Derrick Rose about what time the game is or whatever. But, <laughs> right, as long as they I can mean, get an ankle bracelet on Derrick Rose. I think Embiid is every bit as good as Towns is. I don't know that either one of them are cousins, but yeah, uh, there's you know, <laughs> there you never know. I mean, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need Embiid to do it for a whole season probably. Yeah, and he'll, you know, he's got his injury issues, but I don't know. I mean, like someone asked us the other day to segue into the third quarter thing. Like, that's not that uncommon, I don't think, for a team that age. Oh, yeah, their uh, weird second half and third quarter stuff. Yeah. I, don't th- I don't think it's uncommon either, but um, obviously their bench is not that great. Their bench was the difference last night in Tyus Jones in the fourth quarter, but 
I mean, they got 11 points on their bench last night overall. Um, if I'm looking, nope, I'm looking at the second half. Sorry. Uh, no, they got a decent, decent output from Shabazz and um, Tyus Jones, but their bench isn't what you would consider a uh, a good contributing bench. They're all young, and Thibodeau plays them a zillion minutes, and yeah. all that adds up to your third quarter numbers basically being. Um, let me look at them. So first quarters, I know they're a uh, plus five, plus six net rating. Second quarter, they're a plus 7.5. Third quarter, they go into halftime and they come back out, and they're a negative 12.7. And that's where they lose their games. Um, and I thought they were going to get run last night in the third quarter again. The Mavs tried. I mean, they got it back within uh, three eventually into the fourth. And then their fourth quarter is negative 7.8. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that's that uncommon. I just It's easy for me to link that – those awful numbers and that weird little outlier to Thibodeau playing Towns, Wiggins, and Zach Levine more minutes than they've ever played in their lives. You know, trust done at all. Yeah. Yeah. That'll, very I true. mean, that'll, and also they're probably going to end up getting something for Levine. Yeah. I would I mean, think so. They need I mean, to be trading him for NBA players, though, not just picks. They need to be, they need to be looking to, like, I like the fact that the Sixers signed some veterans. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's they – don't, they don't really have any – I mean, it's pretty much just Rubio. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing I want to mention about Bogut and why I'm ready for him to just get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Like, say what you will about Dwight Powell and his yeah. defense. Dwight Powell is one of the Mavericks' best offensive players right now. Yeah. Because he is – he's come a long way in his screen game, his screen and roll game – the pick-and-pop game, he, he'll he reset screens. He knows what he's doing on offense now, and you're paying him. And he played six minutes last night. Yep. He's basically just not playing anymore since Bogut came back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand if it's, you know, a rookie that you have nothing invested in. Obviously, Justin Anderson can only get six. Finney Smith only gets seven. But if I'm 11 and 27, I'm finding a way to have Justin Anderson play – or not? I'd love to see Anderson getting more minutes right now, and Finney Smith. But uh, Dwight Powell was playing like 28 minutes a night or something. Yeah. And now he just is nailed to the bench because Bogut is back, and mm-hmm. that's fine. I get. I guess you feel like Bogut gives you the best chance to win. But mm-hmm. in the four games that, uh, since Bogut has been back, he's playing 11 minutes a night. Yeah, you've got to be in these in these kinds of seasons. And in these kind of situations, you got to be cognizant of what you actually can take positive out of it. And for me, positives sometimes are just finding out what you have in a player. Um, like whenever Parsons was here um, and they were easing him back and stuff like that. I was like, no, you, you need a definitive answer on whether or not you value Chandler Parsons at this level. Um, and the same thing with Dwight Powell and probably Justin Anderson this season. You need to know how much you can trust those guys next year. And you need to know what you have. And you need to know if someone calls and lowballs you and asks you to throw them into a trade, you need to have a definitive answer of, no, that guy's a building block for the future, or, no, this guy is uh, he's fraudulent. I don't need him here. And that's the little crap that you've got to keep in mind while you're going in there every day trying to bang your head against the wall to win 28 games is that you've got to get some answers leading into next season. And the Dwight Powell thing, you're right. It's it's pissed me off already. Um, and uh, Like, I feel like we did this. We did it with Aminu. 
Yeah. We did it with Crowder, yep. even though those guys, you had less invested in them. Whenever a veteran was healthy, it would push them out of the rotation. And at mm-hmm. least in those years, you could make the case that, well, we were fighting really hard to try to get the six, seven, or eight seed. Well, that ain't happened. So the quicker they move Bogut, the quicker they can play uh, Powell. Hell, the, quick, the more they can play Salah even. Right. And just figure this out. Figure out what you have and then know whether or not you need to jettison something. I mean, obviously, Powell's going to be here. That's the weirdest part to me about it is you know he's going to be on the team. Yeah. Like, He's got, he's got to get better. Yeah, he's not Brandon Wright. He's not Al Farouk. He's not even Jay Crowder on the final year of his uh, rookie contract. Like, he's here. <laughs> he's going to be sitting over there. I mean, his per 36 is 14-9. and nine. Yep. And, yeah. no, he's not, like, a great defensive player or anything, but he can get by if he's out there with the right lineup. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's too good not to be getting minutes on a 28-win team. And... Uh, that's the new projected total for 538 after the Mavs lost to the Suns and lost to uh, the T-Wolves last night. Uh, 28 wins, 54 losses, and that would tie them for the, according to 538's projections, the fourth worst record in basketball. They'd be tied with the Suns. Um, and they are the worst team in the Western Conference right now. And I just, uh, I'm kind of kicking myself for freaking out so much whenever this stretch started because this team might just suck <laughs> yeah. when, when everybody's here like Dirk is like oh wait and wait till the lineup's here wait till we get our normal lineup well we've gotten that and uh y'all suck at it so uh, maybe they maybe they can tank really super hard without trying but uh Thursday night 9 p.m weird ass game versus the Suns in Mexico City uh get revved up for that as uh, Eric Bledsoe and Devin Booker are playing insane right now. They'll probably beat the Mavericks again. So, um, anyway, thanks for listening. And, uh, Jacob, thank you for your time. Hi, man. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.